0: This is Srayus here, and I'm here with Topher and Chase. And boy oh boy, did we have a, a rough one to watch yesterday? CU went to Oregon, Austin Stadium, Eugene, and got absolutely demolished. Final score is 42 to 6, but honestly, that was not particularly indicative of the actual differential between the teams. It was it was ugly. It was 35-0 at halftime and 1.42 nothing. Oregon was going for blood. even when they were up 42 to nothing, they still went for it inside the five yard line. And who can blame them? They were completely dominant tofer. What's your initial reaction?
1: Uh, my initial reaction is that we've finally been proven what we've been seeing all season, right? Like when you don't have big boys playing football or the talent on in the trenches, it is good teams will absolutely take advantage of it. And credit to Oregon, right? They have the big boys, they have the athleticism. Um, and it showed on play in and play out.
2: Yeah, I, I think it's worth noting. You know, when we made our predictions last week, I'm, I, I, I think almost everyone guessed approximately this result. You know, I, I don't know if we're surprised by the result, but it is disappointing. It, it, at no point did that game feel close. I uh, had to listen to the first drive with the voice of the uh, with the voice of the Buffaloes, Mark Johnson, and you could just tell like it, it was they were getting anything that they wanted and. Frankly, that's how the entire game went. I agree with you, Strayas. I think the score somehow magically is closer than the actual game was. Um, and the worst part is, you know, in the olden days when we would be on the Pac-12 network, no one actually saw the game. And so people would be like, you yeah, know, that's pretty lopsided. But unfortunately, everyone's watching now. So everyone knows how lopsided that was. And, you know, Dan Lanning, I don't know. Dan Lanning, it was personal for Dan Lanning. And I think he's kind of being over the top, but... I mean that was just it was ugly from, from top to bottom and uh, I can't wait to do our player of the game segment because I honestly I don't even know you know to, to no part of that that team was clicking <laughs> some really bad bad sacks on uh, Shador and honestly we're we're lucky to get out of that game pretty healthy and maybe that's the wake up call this team needs but it, I mean it was ugly top to bottom
0: yeah hopefully Xavier Weaver's okay he did appear to get shaken up a little bit on that final drive that touchdown drive (laughs) which you just have to kind of have a have a chuckle at given everything else that happened but yeah I I think I I, my prediction last week was 42 to 17 with the garbage time touchdown I think I was being a little generous I wanted to keep it a little bit light (laughs) because if anyone that watched that CSU game in particular you saw how exposed our trenches were so Looking back, I did go back and watch some of the highlights. So this is the first time I actually got to watch the game on TV. And actually, it's the only time I'm planning to watch the game on TV all year. I should be at the rest of the game. So it's gonna—it's only Prime's first season once. You know, it was only Nick Saban's first season once. In his first season, they lost to Louis Louisiana Monroe and, and then ended up beating CU in the Independence Bowl. <laughs> but uh, it's only Prime's first season once. So we got to enjoy the good and the bad of it. And as Prime said in his... Post game press conference. This is the worst that he's planning to be. So I think we can all we can all kind of feel better about that. But that said, I did mention that I watched some some of that tape again, and what it looked like. It, it didn't even necessarily look like there was missed blocks from the offensive line. It just looked like the pocket was collapsing. It looked like they they were just getting blocked into Shadur. It was just complete and thorough dominance. And then on the other side. Bo Nick. so <laughs> there's a drill, So any, any baseball players out there, there's a drill that outfielders do where you have someone throw the ball to you, you, you the outfielder who's running the drill runs a flyer out back and then goes either to the left or to the right and either has to catch the ball over the shoulder or in front of them. And honestly, Bo playing yesterday looked like the guy throwing the ball in that drill zero pressure (laughs) (laughs) just like dancing throwing the ball like over his head comfortably Uh, even on that fourth down where they actually stopped Oregon inside the five-yard line Bo Nix was just untouched and he he was just out there like kind of dancing around like pretending to have to move his feet That is so wild. And I would say that we've never seen it before, but we have because that is what our offensive line has or defensive line, both lines have looked like for the past twenty years almost. Maybe maybe not quite, right? Maybe the the early Hawkins, funny enough, and late Barnett years were (laughs) weren't quite like this, but I do think though, that Oregon is, is that good. What I saw from Oregon was that good and also, we got to shout out, Kyrie Jackson on Oregon. That cornerback was balling. He, he was absolutely balling. Topher, what he you got beat. to say about that?
1: Um, I, I mean, I agree. Like, it's not even that we were missing blocks; it's that their D line was so hyper athletic. It it just looked like we were trying to move in with cinder blocks on our feet, and they had roller skates. Um, we we were we were athletically outmatched in the trenches. In every way, shape, and form. And then with run blocks, um, we had a couple times where we were trying to double team and then get up to the second level. But for whatever reason, we couldn't get up to the second level, <laughs> um, which has been a problem all all, all season. Um, so it can't be a surprise that it happened here. But it, it is just you know disappointing that we couldn't scheme up something or have a leap block or have some fakes or something to try to create some gaps to establish the run game. Um, uh, it's just... A lot of the first half, yesterday especially, you got PTSD to the 2022 season. We couldn't block. We couldn't tackle. We couldn't run. We couldn't catch. It was ugly football. So, uh, you know, we lick our wounds. We move on to the next one. We're on to USC.
2: Yeah, and really quickly, all three of us that are on the podcast recorded today with to Douglas County High School. And uh, for people <laughs> who don't know, I played I played O-line for Douglas County um, against Thunder Ridge, and I was – Six foot 180 going against the guy that was, I think, six four 280 and, uh, on the D line. And it legitimately looked like the film from that game. I mean, just getting <laughs> absolutely bulldozed. Not, not because like you're missing the block schematically, although I, I, I kind of disagree. I think we did miss some blocks yesterday. Um, but you're just so much, you're just getting bulldozed. Like they're, they're just in a bull rush technique and they know that they can collapse the pocket. And Shador, to his credit, is pretty good about like getting out of the pocket and running and improvising and making plays but i mean there were some plays where he couldn't even do that because they were 15 i mean we had at least at least 3 or 4 sacks where we lost over 10 yards in in yardage because he couldn't even go left or right like the the pocket collapsed so quickly that he just had to run backwards until they finally got him and i agree i one of us mentioned in our group chat earlier that it'd be nice to see or maybe this was on twitter but should or throw the ball away more? Um, and the problem is I legitimately do not think he has time to throw the ball away. Like I don't, I don't even know if he has time to look up over the pocket to see what's coming before he's getting sacked on some of these plays. So just getting absolutely bulldozed. And frankly, I, you know, I hate to say it, that's not going to get any better against USC, right? Like it's the USC is not smaller on the defensive line. They're than slower. Oregon is. They're slower. And I know they're a lot slower. We'll, we'll, we'll <laughs> talk about this here shortly, but, um, you know, this is something that's going to be a recurring problem. And, uh, by the way, just a, a quick interlude. Next week, you got a quarterback who, even, even more so than Fonix, you cannot let him set up a campsite in the, you know, in the backfield while looking for a, a target downfield. You know, you've got to get pressure on. And, uh, I don't know. Like, there's just no pressure the entire game. And, uh, yeah, it's it, it, just tough all the way around. I don't even know if we want to beat this game to death, like, you know, going over the film and stuff like that. Um, but I do want to ask you guys, uh, we'll, we'll do a, a somber Q Health management player of the game. Go to Q to learn more. Um, I guess for me, maybe the, the, player of the game is Mikey. He got us on the board. Um, <laughs> certainly, certainly not our kicking game, um, is getting the, uh, I, the player of the game.
1: I have words.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we know that. <laughs> uh, you got to go with, uh, Robinson, right? With that pick. Our guy, man, our guy. We're so proud. We're so proud <laughs> to have him on the, the podcast earlier this year, and so proud to find it was his first college start because he, he was mostly a special teams player in Alabama. So so happy to see him get that pick. Uh, that's our guy. We we love Jaquez out here. So awesome. We love it. Um, offensively, so Mikey Mikey's a pretty good pick. I so there was one particular play that i recall where mikey just completely missed a linebacker that was that was blitzing though (laughs) so i I was kind of left a bad taste in my mouth you know we got we have to get our tight ends and running backs blocking that's obvious and again we don't want to beat that to death but my my player of the game will be x weaver i really hope he's okay he still ended up putting up respectable numbers i think he had nine nine catches for 75 or 77 yards something of that nature He, he's an impressive guy, man. He's an impressive guy. We just need to give him time to cook. And I, I, I mentioned it earlier, but Kyrie Jackson was just locked down. He was so good. That guy probably moved up a lot of people's draft boards yesterday because I don't think that CU has bad receivers even without Travis Hunter. I think that we have pretty good receivers and he was just absolutely locked down. So I'll, I'll give, I'll give the, the player of the game on my side to Jaquez, our guy, and to X Weaver. I think we'll, we'll hopefully see a lot more of them moving forward. I was, I was impressed and yeah, all the best to X on, on his recovery. So speaking of Travis Hunter, how big of a difference do you guys think not having him out there was? And oh, chase, actually, I heard you about to make a point. So maybe address that first.
2: Yeah, I I will say uh, it's, it's tempting to be like, Oh, we didn't have our best player on offense and defense, you know? So maybe that's what it was. Um, I think, I think we can all agree that we could have, we could have had two Travis hunters on the field and still probably would have lost that game. Um, although maybe not, I don't know two Travis hunters (laughs) would be a lot of Travis Hunter, Um, but yeah, I, I I think he's clearly missed. I think he's clearly missed in the secondary. Um, but more so I think on offense. And I know at the beginning of the season, I really thought he was going to be a, a a secondary, almost exclusively kind of guy. And I'm ready to say, hands up, I was wrong. Um, but having that target where he can create so much separation, I mean, that, that hurt. Uh, Topher, what do you think?
1: Uh, yeah, so Travis Hunter would not have made a huge difference in this game unless he suddenly put on like 200 pounds and was able to play all five uh, linemen positions. Um, I don't know if you guys saw that TikTok after that TCU game where it's all like Travis Hunter getting introduced, to the O-line, D-line, quarterback, running back, <laughs> safety, kicker, kick return, and a plethora of other positions. Yeah, unless he was able to do that, it wasn't going to make a huge difference. Um, like you said, Short didn't really have time. So even if he had Travis, who's able to create that separation, had that safety blanket, you're not going to be able to throw hot to Travis every single time. Travis doesn't, um, you know, run short routes, run those little hitches every single time. He, where he's most effective, is down the field, making those contested catches. We barely had opportunity to even try to take those shots. Um, so. I don't know if that makes a huge difference. And honestly, I'm kind of glad he sat this one out, right? Like, get him healthy, get him ready for the rest of the season, um, is the most important thing. That was just, that was a very good Oregon team. That was a very good, very ready Oregon team. And honestly, they looked more ready for us and more fired up for us than they did for tech. And it was noticeable. It's like everywhere we go now because of the eyeballs and because of the attention we've drawn, we are their Super Bowl. We are the we are the targets on our backs, being like, "Oh, we gotta shut these guys up." It's like, "Hey, we are a one in eleven team on a rebuild,
0: and you're <laughs> treating us like we're a college football playoff team." It seems like a you problem, guys. That's that is a pretty. So you touched on this on the last podcast, Topher. This is a big market team. That's mind boggling to think about. So I saw so the the notifications on our on our X page are. Nonstop, It's unbelievable. So it's hard to keep track. It's hard to see every comment. Like, it's just insane. So some of you guys know why. And maybe we should, <laughs> since he's not here to defend himself, we should talk about this a little bit later. <laughs> but it, we, we, our notifications are crazy. But what notifications I did see coming in from outside fans, a lot of it had to do with basically oh, you know, now these guys have to go back to rooting for the Chiefs and rooting for the Cowboys and rooting for the Yankees. And it's like, whoa, man. Has any Denver-based team, even the Broncos, ever received that type of treatment? where We're literally treated like a big market team, like the Lakers. Think about it, guys. So, Topher, I know you're a big Nuggets guy, right? I am a big Nuggets guy, yeah. So, so. It just think about what we've gone through as Nuggets fans in our lifetime. Just having to hear about the Lakers constantly, especially here in Denver, right? We don't hear as much about the Knicks or the or the Celtics out here, or the, even the Bulls anymore. Basically, post Jordan, right? You don't hear much about the Bulls. Right. It's always the Lakers. Lakers this, Lakers that. You know, Kobe this, Kobe that. Kobe and Shaq, LeBron. Just you name it. It's, it's Anthony all Davis, Lebron. Yeah, all the time. It's all like, and you know what? We're all sick of it. We were all sick of it. And one of the best parts about the Nuggets winning the NBA championship this year was going through the Lakers on their way to the championship and shutting all them people up. And now the Buffs are getting that treatment. What? Like, yeah. Wh- as a, as all, all three of us are Denver guys, right? Like, wh- or I mean, originally, you're not all Denver fans across all sports, but man. What is going on here? That is insane, incredible. I saw Barstool Oregon posting merch about commemorating beating CU's. Like, dang, man, that's... Man, that is the highest form of flattery. And I can tell you <laughs> that long-time CU fans see this happening, and we're just, like, grinning ear to ear despite the loss. I, it's It is just spectacular to see what's happened. And this is how you know... This is how you know that they're not going to stay down forever because this will positively impact recruiting. Even if you don't see with high school, Coach Prime has said it numerous times. They're not going to take that many high school players. They're in the portal. They're going to be in the portal looking for the best D linemen and best O linemen for next season.
1: Ready, ready to play right now.
0: And, And if you're, if you're an outsider looking in, you see this, you see that performance. You say, this is instant playing time, brother. I'm coming out here. And it's instant playing
1: time for the team that has the most eyeball, eyeballs on it. Yeah. And, and
2: and quickly, Topher, I just want to mention uh, even even after that result, right? Uh, big new kickoff is still coming to Boulder next week, so you know yeah. the eyeballs are still there. And if you're a top player in the portal, especially on the lines, and you're like, I want people looking at me, and I want NFL, you know, NFL scouts and all that kind of stuff seeing my film and seeing me on television. Colorado, for better or for worse, is going to be a place where you can do that. You know, even even after that horrible loss, we're still the big name kickoff, um, you know, show selection, which is crazy, right? If if I had told you that we would get big name kickoff and ESPN College Game Day last season once, you would have been like, oh my god, like it's going to be the best season ever. And we're going to have big name kickoff three games in a 12, 12 – you know, th- I guess thirteen week season and at for, for college football. And they're at the T C. Yeah, it's and they're T C.
1: It's, un- it's just uh, a joke. The <laughs> only thing that pisses me off is that I hate 10 a.m. kickoffs Ugh. with Ugh. a passion. I hate 10 a.m. kickoffs. It's awful. It gets us covered, so it's like, it, it that's the that's the trade-off. But goddamn it, I hate waking up early for game days, and I hate trying to get there and tailgating early with breakfast breeders and says Like I want to tailgate afternoon or evening games, but I know,
2: cannot for those California, Oregon, and Washington teams to get in the Big Ten and have those big new kickoffs on Fox at 9 a.m. Monday because I know, I know. I mean, Fox is a terrorist organization. You know, they're, they're going to do it. They're going to put people on. At 10 a.m. They've, they've put us on at 10 a.m. like every week. So it's, uh, it, I don't know. Uh, I, one thing I did want to mention is, you know, the the silver lining of this weekend, I guess, is that all three teams that we did play um, this thus far before Oregon, did win their games this week um, and are actually looking good. TCU with a, a pretty big win um, over SMU, although I, you know, I don't know. Um, Colorado State won their game and then Nebraska actually winning a couple games. Uh, so, you know, it, it doesn't look like we were just playing completely nobody horrible teams, although I do think Nebraska actually is just genuinely horrible this year. But, <laughs> um, and I'm glad. I'm glad that they are. But,. <laughs> It, you know, it's not like our our strength of schedule, like those wins are not as meaningful. I, I think that TCU win is still going to go down. You know, It was on the road. That's still going to be a big win. And you have to remember, right, we went to Autzen, uh We're getting USC at home. I know for Sreyas and his predictions, that made a big difference. <laughs> um, but do we want to kind of talk about, I, I know everyone probably watched the USC game at least a little bit last night against Arizona State. Um, it looked like Arizona State had them on the ropes a little bit. And uh, Topher and I definitely disagree on how beatable USC is. Um, because I'm going to be the negative guy, per usual, I guess, on the podcast. Maybe I'm just the realist. Um, <laughs> I, okay. I my my opinion is that USC is going to be more talented and and just more um, sound at every position in this in this coming game, and which is crazy because we have one of the best quarterbacks in the country, but they have Caleb Williams, right? And I, I think USC's defense is substantially worse than Oregon's, but. They're they're just gonna I think they're gonna kill us on the lines and you know they did struggle against Arizona State and it was at Tempe so um, you know it would have been nice if their wake up game had been against us not Arizona State but I think we're gonna struggle um, Topher what are your uh, optimistic thoughts please tell our listeners how how much you believe
1: <laughs> how much I believe um, I'll take Colorado money line next week for sure. Um, I'll go public. That doesn't mean that. anything though, because
2: hey, you and I hey. do that. You and I do that
1: <laughs> It doesn't matter. I mean, it doesn't matter <laughs> but class, here's the here's the reason why. Like you said, their defense is substantially worse. Um, I their D line, they're big. They're not nearly as fast as Oregon's O line, and I think that's really where our offensive line struggled. It's not necessarily the size that was killing them; it was the speed. Um, so I have I have hope that we can hold in protection long enough um, to get allow Schroer to um, survey the field. Secondly, their DBs, not super impressed with. There was a couple of throws that like, they were just in the wrong position or they were right there and they couldn't make a play on the ball. Um, this happened multiple times. I just, I think that that's something that Shador can take, a, um, take advantage of. Now, the real difference in this game is going to be whether or not we establish the run. Um, Arizona State ran the ball extraordinarily well over and over and over again against USC, and they just could not find an answer. I, I can't remember the running back's name, number four did whatever he wanted, right? He'd hit the hole. He had a patient running. He'd, um, there was one run where he just waited for his pulling guard. He literally just sat there, waited, threw his block into the linebacker, and then took off. Great running. Um, things like that, if we can take advantage, if Alton McCaskill can get um, three to four yards per carry, I think this is going to be a very close game. Um, the other thing I'd like to point out is in the second half, when Arizona State felt like they had a chance, USC had to burn two timeouts in the third quarter. They are not used to hostile environments. They've had a cupcake schedule until Arizona and Arizona State um, came in and they said, you know what, we're not gonna, we're gonna go down swinging. And I have a feeling that the Bucs are gonna do the same thing next week. And maybe I'm just biased, but I think Folsom is louder than Sun Devil Stadium. So um, I think USC and Colorado are gonna be in a shootout, gonna be a close game. And I hope that the you know Folsom magic happens, like Shreya's hopes, um, and we uh, pull off the greatest upset in the history of the program.
0: Yeah, this would be up there. This would be up there with the biggest upsets ever. That that 2007 win over Oklahoma was was pretty big too. So this would be this be on par, I think. Especially well, you have to also consider that they were down huge in that game too. So we'll see. Yeah. So as far as as far as the game next weekend, I, I didn't have the opportunity to watch the USC Arizona State game yet. But from what I understand, USC did look vulnerable. That doesn't necessarily mean that they'll look vulnerable next weekend, but I can't at this point I can't pick against my preseason picks right I, I was wrong on TCU I thought that they would, I thought the buffs would lose to TCU and you know what TCU is there's a decent chance they might replace us in the top 25 this week. It hasn't come out yet as of this recording but they they've looked very good ever since that game and maybe part of it is also the fact that the book is out on the buffs now. Uh, that could possibly be a a legitimate thing that happened and the book was not out as far as that game no one had any idea what was going to happen or what this team was was capable of doing even so based on that I'll still take I'll still take CU but it's kind of one of those cr- I'm making that pick with a cringe on my face a little bit like Ugh, you know why why did I pick? This? <laughs> Why did I pick these guys before season? But hey, you know we'll, we'll see if, if if Arizona's secondary is, or sorry not Arizona USC's secondary really is vulnerable, then that is a strength for CU for sure. There, there's no question. So even without Xavier Weaver, we just plug and play these t- skill guys and they'll just get in there and, and do a great job. They're fast. They have good hands. They have good leaping ability. They run good routes, so Javon Antonio had a couple nice. He looked nice, good. He, had he a looks good. Nice so yeah, it, I'll, I'll just I'll stick with it, uh, and and I'll take CU in in a in a high scoring affair, maybe maybe something like uh, forty five to thirty eight or something. So, uh,
2: yeah i i was I was pleased to see Kormani um, actually get some playing time. I thought he laid the wood. I don't know if you guys saw that hit. He laid right, that was great. That was awesome. That was, that that was, was awesome uh, and that's the that's the first time like seeing him at that college level where I was like, okay, like I don't actually think he's he's all that undersized. It was good to see him get the opportunity. Um, my maybe this is more of a prayer than a, a prediction, but I want to see him get an. I I hope he gets more play time while Travis is out, and I'd like to see him get an interception off of Brendan Rice. Um, I don't I don't expect us oh. to win. Um, I'll give my prediction here shortly, but. Brennan Rice had two touchdowns yesterday. If he has a two touchdown performance against us in Folsom, I might. I mean, that might just that might just be the end of me. I might have to jump off off the top of the, the stadium. Um, <laughs> After what Christian you know, Gonzalez did to us last I, year, too. I mean, well, and then and then Christian Gonzalez tweeting, you know, in favor of the Ducks yesterday. I mean, it's oh, like, that hurt. On. That hurt. It's, it's, it's whatever. Like, we can get worked up. Can on you that guys later. blame
0: but, him? First of all, can we blame yes! either of those guys? Dude,
2: I blame Carl Durrell. All of us were about to hop in the
0: transfer portal before last yeah. season. Are you <laughs> kidding me? <laughs> that was ridiculous. the most demoralized. Before he finished, that was the most demoralized most I've ever developed seen. Happened.
2: He was a first round draft pick before going to Oregon. So, like, I don't want to hear about how True. he was developed at Oregon. Like, don't Man. give me that. Like, you were developed at Colorado. And, yeah. uh, anyway, whatever. My prediction is, uh, I, I, <laughs> I think we're going to score a lot of points, but I think I, I think honestly USC is going to to pull away um, in the second half. Um, my sad prediction is I think this will be the first time we see fans leave way before the end of the game, um, especially the student section. I really hope they show up and show out. I think they will still, uh, but I, I think it's going to be uh, I'll go USC fifty-two, Colorado twenty-seven um, for my prediction. Topher, I don't think you actually gave a score prediction, so. Uh.
1: Give me Colorado fifty six, USC fifty
0: three.
2: Oh,
0: oh my God! <laughs> that reminds me of some of the, like that one shootout that Cephalu Lufau had with Jared Goff way back in the day. And yeah. I think that was that game was like fifty nine fifty six or something.
1: <laughs> Absolutely no ridiculous. defense. No defense will be played. Their Zero. their a bunch of fence posts out there. Okay, Shador Shador's gonna have a day. Caleb's gonna
0: have a day. It's gonna be one of the greatest offensive showings in college football. Guys, Topher knows the ball. We'll trust his opinion here. Chase, I think I think your prediction is is a pretty likely outcome. I'm I'm not gonna to lie to you. I just it might if it's a bell curve, Topher's <sighs> predictions out here. It's the <laughs> t 95 percentile. Yeah, you're a six sigma. in the <laughs> <laughs> Chase
1: is in the, is the one standard deviation away from most likely. Yeah, and, I, I and think for the.
2: Go ahead i was just gonna say, for the record, um, I've already taken the Colorado money line, so <laughs> I will not.
1: I, <laughs> I'm waiting I for the odds not, to get better.
2: I I will continue to donate to Vegas um, every game, but uh, you know, I, I believe in my heart, but my brain my brain just is not not quite there <laughs> yet. So
0: for for those of know. you that don't follow Chase on his personal account, not on the Folsom Frenzy podcast, but his personal account, this is a recurring theme, not just this year, right? Not just this year. There's nothing you can do to convince me that the Colorado Buffaloes <laughs> are going to lose today, and then <laughs> and then it would be against like Oregon last year or something, and <laughs> just get destroyed.
2: And then and then or like TCU, where we you know we scored the quick touchdown. I was like, oh my god, like maybe maybe we're legitimate. And then you know it turns out twenty 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 one happened or twenty twenty two happened. Um, oh, I will yeah, say, last year, yeah, that's right. Uh, the good yeah. news, the good news for our followers. I was out in Denver this week um, for a wedding. And I did not bring the Buffalo hat and I have a Buffalo hat and we are undefeated when I wear the Buffalo hat. I had taken the Buffalo hat off when we were losing to CSU. I put it back on. We back for the win. So I will be wearing the Buffalo hat next week for USC. I don't want to say that that's the reason we lost this game, but I'm also not, not ready to discount that. Um, and I think, you know, we, this is going to end up being one of our shortest episodes, but I think it's probably time we eat crow um, for our, our little Twitter <laughs> bet that we had. Um, and, and maybe while we're on it, uh, I will quickly introduce – so we did have a tweet that, you know, go viral. Um, it was something like 11 million impressions. Um, it was on ESPN, uh, college football, Instagram, all kinds of crazy stuff. And I just want to publicly apologize. That might be the worst tweet we've ever tweeted out. Um, <laughs> Do I, you want I to blame ahead, our, our person I will, who's not here? <laughs> I, I will go ahead and throw Jake under the bus for that one. <laughs> for those of you guys – <laughs> you did not see it. Um, it was the tweet where they were playing the Oregon fight song uh, during practice, and it, the tweet said something along the lines of, this is the attention to detail that makes Coach Prime great. Uh, I just want to clarify for the record, you know, they say not everyone should have a podcast. I want to clarify for the record that uh, four of the five Twitter admins are aware that every team in the history of ever has done that. Um, Jake, I know you're probably listening to this at work on Monday, so I just wanted to give you a quick shout out. But... It was a great tweet for us because we gained something like 400 followers on Twitter from it. So, um, you know, maybe maybe that's just the future of Twitter is, is bad takes that blow up and uh, get a kinds thing. of impression.
1: Here's the thing. Uh, if I were to bet, I don't think Carl Durrell's team did this.
2: That's valid. That's valid. And, and, and you know what? Maybe that was the point Jake was trying to make. But, uh, you know, we got turned into a meme for it. And, and I got to be honest, the memes were pretty funny so and then our other twitter mishap of the week that we might as well just go ahead and address right now is uh we <laughs> we made a you know when we started this podcast we really never thought anyone would pay us any attention and uh we had he's an espn reporter now right or is he on fox i don't remember uh, but, Strayus, you want to you introduce the uh, the little the, the bet that we have going on? Oh, man. This,
0: this one was another. You know, uh, I have to take a little bit of responsibility since I initiated it. But, Jake, uh, we love Okay, Jake's the only reason we're here, right? So, he was the one who founded Folsom Frenzy, like, as a student section nine years ago. And that's the only reason all of us met. So, we love Jake. Jake's our guy. But we got to throw Jake under the bus again for this one. So, I, I was the one that saw the Danny Connell tweet. And I was like, yo, man, this guy is just being flagrantly disrespectful. He's spreading misinformation. There, there was something that he said. I, I can't remember what it was. Uh, but th- there was something that he said that, come on, dude, like this is just blatantly not true. And and then that turned into a back and forth where I, I think I tweeted at him with three writing emojis. And then he responded saying, oh, you know, writing emojis this. And then Jake... <laughs> on our group chat, I was like, "All right, guys, we gotta we gotta use this as an opportunity to get him on the pod. We gotta make a bet with him." I'm like, all right, Jake, you can you can go do this. You know, you can because I think at this point, let, let's be real. Most of us were like, "This is gonna be ugly next week." Uh, even even before the CSU game, like we don't really want we don't want to poke this bear because this team is, has shown their flaws, right? We know that they're. They have some flaws that they're gonna work through some things. We do think that they're better than what anyone predicted before the season already. But they're flawed, so why poke the bear? But Jake's like, oh, you know, we've sen- we've always just sent it. And to be fair, Jake has brought us some of our best guests on the podcast, and he's he's a very forward-thinking guy. So it's like, all right, man, Jake, go cook. And then he, he sent the tweet to Danny, <laughs> and Danny's like, all right, we'll come. I'll come on the pod, but. What are you going to do? And so uh, now Sam has to, to create a sign that says, Danny Cannell is my favorite quarterback and the best analyst ever and walk around the streets of Japan. I believe he's, he's in Kyoto right now, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> With this Which sign. Is objectively for... hilarious. Objectively <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> uh, oh, my goodness. You know what, Jake? We just got to keep letting Jake cook because some of the funniest most memorable, amazing things that have happened w- with regard to this podcaster because of Jake's forward thinking <laughs> or his, uh, we'll say lack of football IQ in some cases, but you know, we love you, Jake. <laughs> he couldn't hop on today, but we'll, we'll get his full reaction next week.
2: And I want to point out that Jake frequently is like Chase slanders me anytime I'm not on the podcast, but that was almost exclusively Strayus just now um <laughs> doing that. So, um, one other very quick bonus topic since we're, you know, this, this recording is going to be one of our shortest episodes ever. Um, I did want to mention the news came out, um, yesterday and, or not yesterday, but earlier this week that Colorado actually received a $2.5 million signing bonus to join the Big 12. Um, I just wanted to quickly bring it up on the podcast because I don't think people adequately responded to that because I think, I mean, that's, that's crazy, right? Like getting a signing bonus to go to a conference. Oregon and Washington had to take like a 70% cut to get to the Big Ten. Now, obviously, we would have loved to be in the Big Ten over the Big Twelve. Would have done the same deal, but it is crazy how you know we don't get that 2.5 million dollar bonus. People were talking about how we wouldn't get to the Big Twelve if not for Coach Prime. That's not true. We were going to get to the Big Twelve if we wanted to get into The Big Twelve. We're a big market. You know, we we run Colorado. Colorado's a growing market. That was never going to be a problem. We're an original founder, um, but. Getting that $2.5 million bonus, that kind of shows right, the sway that that Coach Prime has, and it shows the marketability that Colorado has while he's here. Uh, I just wanted to bring it up on the podcast because I've never really heard of anything like that happening. Um, I think it's been confirmed at this point that Utah, Arizona State, Arizona did not get the same deal. Um, And it's kind of interesting because Colorado was kind of on the fence. And if if people remember, there had been some tweets about how Colorado had a deadline on whether to join the Big 12 or not. And what I'm thinking now, in retrospect, is not that we had a deadline on whether to join the Big 12 or not, but whether we were going to get that $2.5 million bonus. I think that was, um, by uh, by Brett Uwana, that was a brilliant move. I mean, he ended up killing the Pac-12 with that move, right? And um, in some ways, that's sad, and in other ways, good riddance. But uh, it is crazy that, that we got that signing bonus and that we're that valuable to the conference to, to be brought in with a, a little bit of a sweetener there as well. So. I just thought that was really interesting. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that, but I did want to bring it up on the pod because I I really, you know, we tweeted about it and got buried under, you know, a lot of other tweets, but that, you know, that's, that's not something that we're really used to. It's pretty crazy. It's kind of crazy
0: to think about how down the big 12 is this year too. So that was honestly a ruthless, but very shrewd business decision to kill off the Pac 12, right. When the Pac 12 was up and The Pac-12 is going to go out in one of its highest notes ever as an entire conference, maybe even from the Pac-10 days. I don't think there's been this volume and quantity and quality of teams simultaneously in the conference where you have teams like Oregon, USC, Washington, Utah, Washington State, all five legitimate playoff threats, legitimate. And if if you guys disagree on Washington State, go watch their – Game against Oregon State yesterday. That is a legitimate team as well. So you got five legitimate playoff contenders simultaneously. This is like an SEC quality football conference in its last year. And Brett Yormark, gotta we gotta gotta recognize good shrewd business decision. They killed this conference by providing that signing bonus to CU, and CU did the right thing by taking it. And they're moving to what is now going to be unfortunately for the Big Twelve a significant downgrade of product compared to the Pac-12. But that's the, that's the price of doing business. And I personally don't like it at all, but we have to have to recognize a good business decision when you see it. So it's unfortunate, but that's good. Good for him. Good, good work, man. Game recognizes game. (laughs) No, no question. Okay. So with that, I think we'll wrap it up for this week. Uh, Thanks for joining Topher and Chase and onward to USC and on, let's go Buffaloes!